Hornet Heaven, special episode, the original story from Tales from the Vicarage, Volume 2, Only Till I Die, Earth Season, 2012, 13. Sid Simmons leaned back against the wall. He started to cry. Deep, gulping sobs poured out of him. He'd had a bit of a day. For starters, he'd died. Like many football fans, Sid had always hoped he'd pass away during the close season. He'd hated the idea that he might die wondering. He'd wanted death to arrive conveniently after the final table had been decided, with all the season's loose ends neatly tied up. So it ought to have been a good thing that today was May the 27th, more than three weeks after the final league match. But it wasn't. Later today, Watford would be taking on Crystal Palace in the 2012-13 playoff final for a place in the Premier League. Sid Simmons had managed to croak just before Watford's biggest game in years. Dying itself hadn't been too awful. Sid's heart had stopped and he'd slid painlessly to his kitchen floor. He'd lost consciousness for a moment before finding himself cocooned in a serene whiteness with no sensation of anything. It had felt odd. With no voice, he hadn't been able to do anything except think the word bugger time and time again in the surrounding silence. It had been just like sitting in the upper rouse. Then Sid had taken physical form again and he'd found himself in a dreary half-light on Occupation Road behind the East Stand. He'd had no idea why he was there. He was still as bald as Gavin Marne, but he was amazed to discover that his 83-year-old body had gained a new energy. It was as if he'd had Andy Hessenthaler's engine installed. After that, he'd been surprised to meet a steward beside the crumbling garages and rusting fences. Sid had never much liked stewards. They'd always reminded him of referees and Hitler. The steward, who'd introduced himself as Lamper, had been a bit on the bossy side, but in the end... He'd been helpful. He'd led Sid up the road towards the familiar brown porter cabin that was always perched on the gravel near the junction with Vicarage Road. It was here that Sid had finally discovered where he was. The upper section of Occupation Road had been bathed in glorious sunshine. There had been people milling about with blissful smiles on their faces. Sid had turned and looked at the oblong yellow sign on the porter cabin. In the past, it had always said the Bill Mainwood Programme Hut in red letters. Now, it said, Hornet Heaven. Sid hadn't been able to get his head around it at first, but then Bill Mainwood himself had appeared. He'd welcomed Sid into the hut and explained that Hornet Heaven was the resting place in the afterlife for people who loved Watford Football Club. You could go to new games when they happened. You could also go to any game in Watford's history. You just grabbed a programme 
and went through the ancient turnstile on Occupation Road. You found yourself at the match, wherever it had taken place, enjoying all the sights and sounds. This was what had left Sid leaning against the wall, sobbing. He was weeping helpless tears of joy. Earlier, he'd thought he was going to miss seeing the climax of the extraordinary 2012-13 season. Now he knew he'd never miss a Watford game for the rest of eternity. Sid cried and cried with relief and happiness. Oh, look at them tears. You look just like Alan Smart at the 1999 playoff final. Sid looked up. The voice belonged to a white-haired old man who'd come to browse programmes in the hut. Sid recognised him instantly. It was Morris Hegarty, a next-door neighbour and friend who died in 1977 at the age of 81. Sid wiped his eyes. Hello, Morris. Remember me? Morris stared. It took him a few moments to recognise Sid. Down on earth, Sid had always been 34 years Morris's junior. Now the two men were the same age. Well, I blinking never. Morris stepped forward and wrapped Sid in a huge hug. They fell into the affectionate conversation of long-lost friends reunited. I never had the chance to thank you for taking me to all them games, right up to the end. You was good to me. I'm so glad you're here. I was only paying you back. You took me to my first ever Watford game, February the 8th, 1936. Home to Coventry. Law, I'll never forget that one. Five nil. The two men smiled at each other, remembering a deep friendship that had been entirely based on watching Watford. I hope Bill Mainwood told you we can go to any Watford game ever up here. How about we go to that Coventry game again, eh? Right now. Sid looked at Morris's beaming face. It was full of an irresistible warmth and affection. No. What? Not interested. What are you talking about? Past matches are as much use to me as Gary Porter's right foot was to him. What's wrong with you? I ain't never met a proper Watford fan who don't want to wallow in all it nostalgia for the rest of time. What's wrong with me? as you put it, is that I've been a Watford fan for 77 years and I've never seen us play at Wembley or in the top flight. What? Never? How come? Life didn't treat me fairly. It was worse than Roger Milford. Sid explained how he'd missed Watford's previous trips to Wembley and their three spells in the top division through pure bad timing. 1982 to 1988 had occurred while Sid was spending the wrong ten years working and living in Australia. 1999-2000 had come from nowhere 
while Sid was saving his company's business in Malaysia. 2006-07 had passed Sid by while he'd been giving full-time care to Irene, his terminally ill wife. Blimey! That's more unfair than Roger Milford, Rob Stiles and Stuart Atwell put together. I can't believe you missed out on 1982-3. I love that season. I binge-watched it again last week. So, I've got unfinished business, you see. In the end, I had two life ambitions. To go to watch Watford at Wembley and go to watch Watford in the Prem. Now, they're my afterlife ambitions and I'm not interested in anything else. I'll see you around. Sid left the hut. Morris chased after him. Wait, hold up. He caught up with Sid on Occupation Road, in glorious eternal sunshine, next to some stinging nettles. Listen, it's a mistake to only be interested in the future. There's much more to Watford Football Club than playing at the top level. Not for me, there isn't. We need to be Premier League. Don't try and tell me different. The two old friends stared at each other in disagreement. This was new. Decades ago, when they'd watched Watford together in the lower divisions, they'd agreed on everything. Now they couldn't stop themselves being drawn into an argument. Come off it, Sid. Open your eyes. The Premier League ain't football. It's a circus. Go up there and we'll be the laughing stock again. We'll be the dwarf strongman with a fake barbell. I don't care. I just need to see Watford in the Prem. I don't want to watch years of failure in heaven as it was on earth. As they were arguing, Sid and Morris wished they weren't. They wanted to be close friends again but the issue kept sucking them into a quarrel. Well, I'm sorry you had a Premier League-shaped hole in your life. Me, I wish I had a Premier League-shaped hole in my memory. Them seasons were blinking awful. You won't change the way I am. I'm fed up with being lower league. We need to be Premier. Oh, that's what the new chief executive says. We've never had one before. He's just taken charge. Wants to upgrade this, redevelop that. Great. Finally, someone's getting Watford's act together up here. Just like the Pozzo family on Earth. Oh, them. I stopped watching the new games when the Pozzos arrived. Poor old Daichi. Now there's all them lone players. It don't feel like our club anymore. Sid didn't agree. Back on earth, the last match he'd seen had definitely brought the fans and club together. In that case, come with me to the playoff semi-final against Leicester. I'll show you what you're missing. No, thanks. It won't be the Watford I know. Well, if I go to the old games, it won't be the Watford I want. There was a long silence between the two old friends, as the depth of their new incompatibility sank in. What a blinking shame. It was great watching Watford with you all them years ago. Can't we do it again? Two old codgers together? You won't persuade me. 
The playoff final could be uploaded any moment. I'm not going anywhere else. Then what do we do now? Say goodbye forever? Again? Morris's choice of words reminded Sid of the day Irene had finally passed away. He felt a jolt of loss and wasn't sure he could bear losing Morris so soon after finding him again. It struck him that watching Watford in recent years, so desperate for them to win, had become a rather lonely pursuit. Morris saw the determination in Sid's eyes faltering. He seized his chance. Right, I'm older than you, so we'll do what I say. I'm going to teach you how to be a proper Watford fan. I did it before, and I'll do it again. Morris went back into the hut to grab programmes. He returned with two friends who had been browsing in the hut. He introduced them as Arthur and George. Right, Sid. You're coming with us. It was the small things Sid particularly noticed. There were trees at the top of the Vicarage Road Terrace. The penalty areas weren't marked with a D. The goalkeepers weren't wearing gloves. People could see the match from their windows on the other side of Occupation Road. Morris said, Wonderful. Ain't it? Sid said, It stinks of beer and tobacco. Sid peered around the stadium. The main stand on the far side looked in very good nick, but the structure next to them had definitely seen better days. Most of them at Casio Road before being moved here. And the bank they were standing on was unterraced. Sid found himself thinking there was something charmingly old world about Watford in 1936, but he didn't want to admit it. Sid said, the old place is in a terrible state. Sid and Morris, alongside Arthur and George, settled in to watch a blue-shirted Watford side boot a dark, heavy ball through dark, heavy mud. Sid looked quizzically at the grass between himself and the pitch. Funny how your memory fools you. I could have sworn there was a dog track round the pitch at my first game. Arthur rubbed his prominent chin. Don't ask us. We flipped backwards and forwards from year to year. Yesterday, we were in 1979, then 1920, then 2006. We've totally lost track of how the ground developed. Sid's attention was next drawn by a six-year-old boy stepping from foot to foot with excitement. With amazement, he realised it was himself at his first ever match. Sid watched the boy's face. He saw excitement, awe and delight. He saw someone totally in love with third division football. He'd forgotten. Suddenly, as Watford's builder van banged in the first goal of his hat-trick that afternoon, the boy leapt into the arms of the man next to him. The man was Morris aged 40. Sid watched the embrace with a lump in his throat.
He felt Morris's hand on his shoulder. We go back, don't we? After that, Sid and Morris stood together side by side enjoying the match they'd first attended 77 years earlier. Briefly, something odd happened. The action on the pitch became a still image and the crowd around them froze. It's a glitch in the celestial software or what have you. Happened at the last game we went to. It sorts itself out. A few seconds later, the match started again. Sid began to focus on the three biggest heroes of his childhood. Taffy Davis, Tommy Boy Barnett and big-hearted Arthur Woodward. He felt an acute pang of long-lost affection. On the pitch, right in front of them, Arthur Woodward knocked Coventry's top scorer, Clary Borton, to the floor with a juddering shoulder charge. Sid noticed his hero's prominent chin. Then he frowned and glanced across at Morris's friend, Arthur. He realised they were the same man. Arthur Woodward? Pleased to meet you, Sid. You were my first ever favourite player, Morris said. Ah, well, Sid, you always was a good judge of character. Arthur was the ultimate one-club man. When he was a boy, when Vicarage Road was only a recreation ground, he used to slide down a banking on a tray. Then he made 432 first-team appearances. After he stopped playing, he was a season ticket holder. A genuine hometown hero. And a role model. From what I saw, Arthur's loyalty influenced your whole approach to life. How do you mean? Well, by the time I died, you'd had one employer, one wife and one political party. I bet that never changed for the next 35 years. Watching Watford made you a man who stays true. And you're not the only one, Sid. We're all the same here. Watford was, and always will be, our club. Sid recognised himself in what Morris had said. He felt himself welling up. A tear toppled over his lower lip. Morris noticed. Ah, what was you saying by the stinging nettles? This ain't the Watford you want. This was just enough to goad Sid. He pulled himself together. No, it isn't. This is the Watford I liked years ago. I've been here, done this. I'm only interested in seeing what I've never seen before. Wembley and Premier League football. He turned back to the game and imagined Nathan Chalabar sliding passes between the 1936 Coventry wing halves. He pictured Troy Deeney, utterly in his element, barging the Coventry goalkeeper into the back of the net. But of course, he didn't need to imagine Chalabar and Deeney. He could go and see them at the playoff final. He could see them take Watford to the Premier League at Wembley. He set off back towards the ancient turnstile. I'm going back to the future with no need for a flux capacitor. 
Morris had died too soon to understand a movie reference from 1985. But he did understand that his old friend wasn't going to find happiness in Hornet heaven if he only cared about Watford's current status in the football world. He decided to chase after Sid. Soon the two of them emerged onto Occupation Road through the ancient turnstile. But Occupation Road had changed. Ahead of them, where the Red Lion pub had always stood, a futuristic building had risen up. It was all shiny curves and sharp angles in glass and steel. Golden light poured from every window. Look at that! It's amazing! A blinking disaster, more like. Where's Bill's hut gone? Sid pointed to where the hut's walls had been dismantled and stacked on the gravel. Then he rushed towards the main door of the new building. Above the door, in slick yellow capitals, a sign said, Hornet Heaven, a premier paradise. Sid couldn't stop himself running inside. Inside the building, there was a fabulously bright atrium, spacious and uncluttered. It housed rows and rows of beautiful wooden shelving. On the shelves were Watford programmes, home and away, season by season. They stretched away as far as he could see. This is much more like it. A man in a sharp suit was coming towards him. He was in his early forties, with dark hair tied back in a ponytail. It was the new chief executive. I see you're impressed, but it's only the start. Things round here are changing. We're shedding the whole lower division mentality. At last! This is just what we needed back on Earth. But Sid's excitement was interrupted when Morris came rushing up to the chief executive. What have you done? You can't get rid of Bill's up. I got rid of Bill, too. I'm making wholesale changes. What? But it won't be Watford. There you go. Lower division mentality. I suppose you want the dog track back, do you? Hey? What do you... I know what I'm doing. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Watford fan, but Chelsea have the best success model. So I've taken charge of Hornet Heaven, and I'm upgrading it. Very soon, you won't recognise the place. Sid found himself warming to the chief executive. He decided his lifelong policy of not trusting men with ponytails was exactly that. Lifelong. No longer valid. I'm going to instil the Chelsea ethic here. Everything will be about winning. Winning makes people happy. And people in heaven are meant to be happy. But Watford ain't only about winning. Sid, tell him this is wrong. Even you must be able to see it's wrong. Sid gazed around the shiny new building. It didn't seem wrong at all. In fact, to Sid, nothing could have felt more right. 
Morris hurried over to the shelf marked 1976-7. He was determined to show Sid how wrong this all was. Never forget where you come from, my boy. He searched the shelf, but couldn't find the programme he wanted. He marched back to the chief executive. There's a programme missing. Northwich Victoria away. Never heard of it. FA Cup for a round, 1977. Lost 3-2 to non-league opponents. You must be mistaken. What? Tell him, Sid. Everyone remembers that terrible game. It was what spurred Elton into action. Without it, he wouldn't have hired Graham Taylor. It was a turning point. The chief executive looked Morris square in the eye. Forget it ever happened. Losing to non-league opposition has no place in a premier paradise. But I want to go and see it. It's all part of the story. The only place you'd see a game like that is in Horned Hell. Well, that shows how much you know. You can't separate the good and the bad times as a Watford fan. You need the pain to feel the joy. There's no such place as Horned Hell. Not yet, there isn't. Sid smiled as he watched the chief executive go. The man was delivering exactly what Sid wanted. Sid would be able to put his failures behind him. Deep down, Sid's absences during Watford's greatest achievements had left him feeling less of a fan than he wanted to feel. Even the most fickle of glory hunters had been there for the club during its greatest seasons. Sid, though, hadn't turned up. The reason he was so focused on the future was that he felt he'd let the side down in the past. Sid Simmons had been a fan for eight decades, but he felt incomplete. Now, though, thanks to the chief executive, he was buzzing. A Chelsea ethic was exactly what the club needed to force itself a lasting place at the top table, he told himself. He turned to say this to Morris, but Morris was running out of the building. Morris found George and Arthur outside the new building and told them the old story. He's censoring what matches we're allowed to see. He'll be rewriting history next. That settles it. I'm never setting foot inside that atrium. It may be the new Watford, but it's not for me. I mean... Why couldn't they have built it to look like the old Shroldell stunt? Sid came out of the building to see where Morris had gone. He found the three men moaning. He felt like bashing all their heads together. Come on, gentlemen, wake up! The bright new future is right here before your eyes. Why can't you embrace it? Think about it. The playoff final is probably finishing on Earth any moment now. Watford may never play outside the Premier League again. Morris was too upset to argue with his old friend. He took Sid to one side. Listen, I think me and you should split up for a while. It don't look like the old games are working for you. But the new games might work for you. You haven't even tried them. I know. It's just that I ain't ready. I don't think I'll ever be. Suddenly, two or three fans rushed out of the atrium waving programmes. Palace is in! 
one of them shouted. Come on, Maurice. This is it. You've got to come to Wembley. You must. Maurice suddenly felt jealous of his old friend's excitement. But he couldn't face what success in 2013 might do to his feelings about the previous 130 years. He shook his head. Sid felt torn. He knew he ought to try harder to cajole his old friend. But he was desperate to see the Palace game. Suddenly the chief executive was beside him, holding the programme from the final. Found you! You're a man with a premier attitude. You'll like this. Sid grabbed the programme and ran to the turnstile. Sid settled into a spare Club Wembley seat and took in his surroundings. He'd made it. He was actually watching Watford at Wembley, seeing it, feeling it. The sun was bright and hot. Below Sid, in the lower tier, thousands of yellow-shirted fans were chanting, I'm Watford till I die. Sid called out, We're Watford much longer than that, you know! But when the game kicked off, Sid found himself watching a Watford performance that definitely wasn't Premier. It was the worst he'd seen the Hornets play all season. Palace missed several chances to secure the win they deserved. After 85 minutes, though, it was still nil-nil. Sid carried on roaring his support. He knew that even the grabbiest of goals would bring him what he'd been so desperate to see for so long. It didn't need to be a Nicky Wright against Bolton. The ball could bounce in off Deeney's backside for all he cared. A minute later... Alexander Hayho played a ball across the goal to Christian Batoccio. Batoccio let it roll, then chipped it back into the centre of the box, slightly behind Troy Deeney. Deeney turned away from goal and launched himself. High off the ground, his overhead kick met the ball cleanly and powerfully. It rocketed into the top corner of the net it was a Nicky Wright against Bolton Sid and 34,000 other Hornets screamed with ecstasy Watford had been on the ropes and had turned it around in the final moments at Wembley in the playoff final the feeling was even better than against Leicester in the semi-final. Sid jumped up and down. He ran about, directionless, shouting. We've done it! I've done it! Eventually, he stood still and threw his arms aloft. He closed his eyes and let the moment sink in. He said to himself, almost in disbelief, Next season, I'm finally going to see Watford in the Premier League. No one can ever take that away from me. 
Sid left Wembley and emerged through the ancient turnstile back onto Occupation Road. He was exhausted with satisfaction. Through Sid's moist eyes, the new building looked even shinier. Suddenly, a man ran out of the new building. His clothes were wet. There's a pond, the man shouted. In the atrium! The chief execs installed a pond! Something went off in Sid's head. He couldn't help himself. He sprinted into the atrium. Inside, there really was a pond. Sid ran over and Deaneed into it. He danced and splashed. He hugged residents he'd never met. They all agreed Hornet Heaven had never been as heavenly. Sid emerged from the new building with his clothes dripping and covered in weed. In his hand was a bunch of programmes. In his head was a plan to help Morris. He'd been thinking about it in the pond. His own urgent need to see Watford play at Wembley and reach the Prem had just been satisfied, but Morris was still living in the past. His old friend would never be happy in the new improved Hornet heaven without a change of attitude. Sid found Morris on Occupation Road with George and Arthur. They were still avoiding going into the new building. Sid waved the programmes and called out to them. They looked up. You lot are coming with me. We're going on a tour of every match in history where we've clinched promotion to a higher division. You'll love it. Sid reckoned it was a cunning plan. For Morris and his friends to be happier in a premier paradise, they'd need an appetite for success again. This tour would wet it. The climax would be today's win at Wembley. He'd take them there on a wave of euphoria and they'd be converts at last. Morris smiled at George and Arthur. George reeled off the years. 1900, 1904, 1904, 1960, 1969, the tour started at Watford's old Casio Road ground. They watched the 1899-1900 Southern League Division II Test match against Sheppey United. Watford won 2-1, despite being reduced to 10 men when Harry Wood left the field to go to his dying mother's bedside. Next, the gang went to Borough Park, Workington, on April 30th, 1960. They saw Watford's first ever Football League promotion. A younger version of George was playing at wing half. Sid said, Oh my God! You're George Catlow! I should have recognised you sooner! I'm kicking myself! Oi! No, you don't! Kicking people was always my job! They enjoyed the working to match so much that they also went to the promotion celebration on the following Tuesday night at home to Warsaw, where they saw the big fella, 
the legendary Cliff Holton bag his 48th goal of the season. At the final whistle, a tide of delirious fans swept onto the playing area. Sid gave Morris and the others a leg up over the wall, and the old-timers sprinted over to the main stand and leapt around, chanting, We want Cliff! We want Cliff! with everyone else. Morris was thrilled. Sid loved it too. It reminded him of the recent ecstatic mayhem after the 2013 Leicester semi-final. It also made Sid think something he wouldn't have thought before he came to Hornet Heaven. That without the past, there wouldn't be a future. As he looked around, though, something bothered him. He was 100% certain there'd been a dog track when he'd been to games at Vicarage Road back in 1960. Yet there wasn't one at this game. It was odd. He decided not to say anything to the others, though. He didn't want to spoil the tour. Their next tour date was Tuesday, April the 15th, 1969. Sid remembered that the promotion-clinching goal had been a Roy Sinclair shot that hit the bar and bounced down somewhere on or near the line, so Sid took the gang for a close-up view. His idea was for the others to experience the goal in the most vivid and exciting way possible. But he was also curious to find out whether the ball had actually crossed the line or not. No one had ever been sure. So he led the gang down the Vicarage Road Terrace, over the wall and along the touchline to the Rookery End goal. In the 63rd minute, the match-winning move started just as Sid remembered. Wellborn crossed the ball. Garbit headed it on, and Sinclair thumped a shot towards goal. Sid stared along the goal line, ready to see the truth as the ball bounced down. But the next sound, the ball smacking the crossbar, didn't come. Instead, Sid heard the shrill scuff of ball hitting net. The sound after that was the roar of 22,515 Watford fans greeting the goal that was taking them into the second division for the first time ever. But the four men beside the goal didn't cheer. They just stared at each other, utterly nonplussed. Eventually, Morris said, That's not what happened, Sid said. True. But you could argue this was better. A more emphatic strike. But that ain't my Watford versus Plymouth Argyle in 1969. It's an improvement. Now, there's no room for guilt over whether it really was a goal. That's nonsense. I can't be doing with this. The tour's off. Wait. Morris. Arthur. George. Come back. Morris, with Arthur and George, sat slumped on the gravel next to the remnants of Bill's hut. Sid, who'd stayed to watch the rest of the game, approached them. Morris said, I'm telling you, Sid, the chief executive's ruining everything we've known and loved. Good job you didn't stay for the music and fireworks at the final whistle then. Suddenly, a short and thick-set man of about 70 emerged from the ancient turnstile. It was Skilly Williams, 
Watford's goalkeeping legend from the years between the wars. Skilly didn't look happy. Something rum's going on. A pal of mine says he's just been to the 2007 FA Cup semi-final against Manchester United. But why would anyone bother going to that? United brushed us aside. Not anymore, they don't. Sid couldn't wait to find out what the new result was, and he suddenly had the idea that this game against United might be a different way of whetting the gang's appetite for success at the highest level, now that the tour was off. He suggested they all go along. Arthur, George and Skilly agreed. They were keen to understand what in Evan's name was going on. But Morris said he was far too upset. So it was a reduced gang that fetched the programme. As Sid went through the ancient turnstile, it briefly occurred to him that he was about to watch a match in the company of Watford legends without having to buy a three-course meal with wine. At Villa Park, Ronaldo and Rooney were terrifying as United flowed forward in the opening minutes, just as Sid remembered from watching the game on TV with the sound off at Irene's bedside. But there was already something different. Watford weren't wearing those stupid yellow shorts. George, Arthur and Skilly agreed the black shorts on show were an improvement. But Sid knew better. Red would definitely have been best. After that, there were four small but important differences. In the seventh minute, a Rooney shot went narrowly over the top of the goal. In the 28th minute, Jay Demerit's last-ditch tackle stopped Ronaldo tapping home. In the 66th minute, Clark Carlisle's sliding challenge put the ball out of play, denying Rooney. After 82 minutes, Adrian Mariapa stayed goal-side of Kieran Richardson and snuffed out any danger. As the final whistle approached, Sid was over the moon about the new version of events. Thanks to Hammer Boatza's 26th-minute overhead kick, Watford were beating that season's Premier League champions. You can't argue with it. A 1-0 win is a 1-0 win. Bloody nonsense. This 1-0 win was a 1-4 defeat. George is right, Sid. I have to say I'm a bit disappointed in you. Morris told us you was a man of integrity. What's happening here is dishonest. But it's brilliant. We're going to Wembley. Speak for yourself, kidder. George and Arthur turned and headed for the ancient turnstile. Sid couldn't believe it. With a few minutes to go and Watford on their way to Wembley, they were leaving the stadium early. When Sid arrived back on Occupation Road, Morris was still sitting by the remnants of the old hut. Morris seemed less upset now. He seemed to have found solace in the fact that the fences were still rotting and rusting, the dilapidated garages were still being strangled by skeletal brambles and the back of the east stand still looked like an abandoned farm building. When everything else was changing, at least he still had this. Morris was sitting with Bill Mainwood. They were having a serious-looking discussion. Sid didn't sit down, though. He was curious what other premier experiences Hornet Heaven might now hold in store. So he went inside the atrium, where he found a programme for the 2007 FA Cup final between Watford and Chelsea. He said to himself, 
Well, logically, yes. He went through the ancient turnstile and found himself among a sunburst of Watford fans at the first FA Cup final at the brand new Wembley Stadium. It was everything he'd ever dreamed of. First, Gavin Marn dispossessed Frank Lampard and lashed a 25-yard shot past Petr Cech into the top corner. Later, Tommy Smith left John Terry on his bottom and slotted a second goal. In the final minute, Lloyd Doyley crashed in a low drive from the edge of the box to make it 3-0. Sid screamed and bounced with delight. He knew it was wrong, but it felt so right. Afterwards, the Watford players danced with the trophy in front of frenzied fans. It was wonderful, Sid thought to himself, but not mind-bogglingly wonderful, simply because he knew it was complete fiction. It wasn't nearly as satisfying as having seen Watford beat Palace at Wembley to reach the Premier League because that had been real. Sid felt a sudden chill down his back as an alarming thought came to him. Had Watford beating Palace been real? Back on Occupation Road, Sid rushed over to Morris and Bill. This isn't Evan anymore. It's all wrong. I just watched a cup final that never happened. The chief executive is creating completely fictional games. So our premier paradise is a plastic paradise. Why ain't I surprised? It's a catastrophe. It means I can't be sure Watford really defeated Palace in the playoff final. I'll never know if we're in the Prem for real. Morris realised straight away how much this meant to Sid. He tried to ease his old friend's pain. But we only noticed the changes after you saw the Palace game. The changes were there before. The dog track had gone from 1936, remember? It was all part of the upgrade. Now he thought about it. Morris recalled the chief executive had made a jibe at him about wanting the dog track back. It made more sense now. I've got to find out whether we're really in the Prem. I have to know the truth. I'm going to confront him. Sid headed for the atrium. Wait! Don't take him on by yourself! Sid! Stop! But Sid wasn't going to stop. Sid banged on the door of a swanky office on the upper floor of the new building. The chief executive appeared. I need to know, did we actually beat Palace? What's wrong with you? You need a big club attitude, whatever division you're in. Don't mistake me for a Leeds fan. Answer the question. The chief executive led Sid along the corridor in search of a quiet meeting room. They moved through an open-plan area full of men tapping at keyboards. I see. Doing your dirty work for you, are they? They're just IT. The real magicians are the CGI artists along the corridor. They went into a large meeting room that overlooked the stadium. The chief executive closed the door behind them. So, 
Will Watford actually be in the Prem next season, back on Earth? I don't get it. Why aren't you just enjoying the ride? Sid thought about telling the chief executive his story, that he'd never been to see Watford play in the Premier League or at Wembley in the real world, that consequently reality in Hornet Heaven mattered enormously to him. Instead, he just said, Because honesty matters. Great, here we go. The speech about the Watford way. Get on with it. I know we're here for eternity, but I haven't got all day. Sid explained this wasn't about the Watford way. The issue was simply truthfulness. He needed to know that the new games he'd be seeing were from the real world. The chief executive laughed and asked Sid when Premier League football had ever had anything to do with the real world. We're copying the Chelsea way. My job is to make you happy. Your job is not to worry how I do it. I'll worry if it's all lies. Trust me. When you see Watford win every trophy ever, you really won't mind how it's happening. When all our home games take place in a stunning 120,000-seater stadium, you won't have a word of complaint. I can get my CGI boys to manipulate anything, especially your values. But it's cheating. So what? It's Premier. But for a Premier paradise, you need change without compromise. The chief executive smiled. His slogan didn't really scan, but it sort of rhymed. He was rather pleased with himself. Now buzz off and enjoy the place. Sid went back out onto Occupation Road. He'd expected to find Morris and the others still on the gravel, but they'd gone. He sat down anyway. He bowed his head. He wanted to cry again. He'd thought all his pain at never having seen Watford in the Prem was over. Instead, because of the doubt, it was going to last an infinity. Soon he heard footsteps. He looked up and saw Bill Mainwood. You look glum, Sid. You don't look so happy yourself, Bill. I know. I just saw Watford win two League Cups under Steve Perryman in the early 1990s. Sid found this news almost as depressing as he'd found the whole Perryman era. Sorry to hear you lost your job, Bill. Did the chief exec destroy a lot of programmes? Bill sat down next to Sid. I've got a lock-up down the road, so I saved the ones from games he thought should be in Hornet Hell. Really? How can a single lock-up be enough for those? In the dreary twilight, Sid and Bill sat disconsolate on the gravel, like two Fernando Forestieres who hadn't been awarded penalties. After a while, Bill said, Morris told me your story. Yeah, I wasn't the luckiest fan on earth. Or up here, it seems. Bill gave Sid an avuncular smile. You know... A lot of people here are like you when they arrive. 
Unlucky? No. Only seeing things from their own perspective. What? How do you mean? Lots of people connect Watford's fortunes with their own. They want the club to succeed in the hope it'll fix disappointments in their own lives. What kind of disappointments? Oh, you know. Work. Family. Sid thought back to when he'd lost Irene, how he'd committed himself to Watford immediately afterwards. It happens all the time. Fans lose sight of the bigger picture. What bigger picture? Being a Watford fan isn't about you. It's about all of us together. The group, as Malky liked to say. We shouldn't use Watford's success to try and make ourselves feel bigger and cleverer as individuals. We should share it. Sid recalled what he'd seen after the Leicester semi-final victory two weeks ago. The mass pitch invasions, the video clips filmed by fans in every stand, the tweets, blogs and forums. Bill had a point. The joy had been multiplied by seeing it shared by so many other people. All you have to do is stop taking things so personally and you'll be happy here. And how do I do that? It's easy. You see, while you were in with the chief executive, the group came up with a plan to put things right. All you have to do is join in. Sid looked away. This was his problem. He didn't feel he could join in. As a Watford fan, he didn't have the full credentials. He hadn't been there when he should have been. Bill put his hand on Sid's arm. You know, fans who miss Watford games aren't inferior. Sid turned back. No one had ever said this to him before. There are no qualifications. Everyone's a fully-fledged member of the group. Before Sid's eyes could fill with tears, Bill produced a programme from his pocket. Morris and the others are spreading the word. Everyone's meeting at this game tomorrow. They want you there. Sid looked at the programme. It was from Saturday the 3rd of April. 1999 The next afternoon was the first time Sid had ever seen play continue during a pitch invasion. Watford and Tranmere players carried on, oblivious, as thousands of Hornet Heaven residents amassed on the Vicarage Road playing area. Robert Page headed the ball straight through Sid as he walked through the penalty box. Sid started trying to edge his way to the centre circle. There were fans in Victorian clothing from the 1890s and fans in fashion disaster replica shirts from a century later. He recognised Ron Rollick, the club's secretary for 25 years until 1981. He recognised several former players too. Maurice Cook from the 1950s, Dennis Uphill from the 1960s, and Mike Keane from the 1970s. 
Sid remembered that Mike Keane had played for QPR and Luton before he became Watford's player-manager. Sid said to him, Glad to see you're in our heaven and not one of the others. Out of heaven closed down years ago. Lack of interest. And what about hoop heaven? Despicable place. Eventually, Sid arrived in the centre circle. Morris, Arthur Woodward and George Catlow were talking to a tall, dark-haired man in his late 60s. As Richard Johnson crashed into a tackle through Morris, Sid congratulated the gang on choosing such a spirited game. Wasn't this the match that kick-started the 1999 promotion running? Kicks, definitely the word. A Tranmere player slid through George trying to maim Jono. After Alan Smart had launched into an off-the-ball altercation just a yard away, Morris and Arthur explained why they'd chosen the match. We wanted to get the residents ready for a fight. Get the old Mooney spirit going. My idea was to go to the Grimsby game in 1994 when there was a pitch invasion and a protest in front of the main stand. The chairman, Jack Petchy, resigned within a week. He made himself scarce at the first sign of trouble. But a bunch of Herberts running on the pitch could never be as inspiring as a come-from-behind win with nine men like this one. By the way, Sid, you ain't met the big fella yet, have you? Morris gestured towards the tall, dark-haired man in his sixties. Sid looked up. He found himself transfixed. There was something about Cliff Holton's aura that made Sid feel like a small child. The big fella shook Sid's hand. Sid was awestruck. He hadn't yet had time to find out whether water and soap existed in Hornet Heaven, but he knew he never wanted to wash his hand again for the rest of eternity. Eventually, Sid managed to find a few words and told the big fella what he'd discovered when he visited the chief executive. How the changes in Hornet Heaven were all down to computer-generated imagery, or CGI. The big fella nodded at the information. He nodded at Morris. Morris, Arthur and George lifted the big fella onto their shoulders. At once, the entire crowd of Hornet Heaven residents started chanting, We want Cliff! We want Cliff! The big fella raised a hand. Immediately, the crowd fell silent. The big fella nodded at Morris. Morris shouted, On it! It's time to take back what's ours! The big fella clenched his fist. The residents roared. Suddenly, a voice squawked from the tannoy. Get off the pitch! Get off that pitch! Most of the residents turned and looked at Ron Rollett. Definitely my catchphrase, but definitely not me. Morris, Arthur and George lifted down the big fella. Quick, the chief exec is onto us. Big fella, lead us to the atrium. At this moment, 
Sid saw long lines of stewards forming on all sides of the pitch. He shouted to the others, Watch out! They're going to kettle us! Sid didn't hang around. He made his way out of the centre circle towards the main stand, where, he noticed, Graham Taylor was screaming abuse at a linesman for sending off Jono. It made his adrenaline pump. He pushed his way through the throng towards the line of stewards. Soon, he was within a few yards of the stewards as they closed in. He had no real idea what to do. He just knew he needed to break the line so that everyone else could pull through. He had to take one for the team. He focused on a particular Hitler and started to run. His final thought before impact was remembering what Morris had said back at the Coventry game about Arthur Woodward's influence on various aspects of his life. He hoped it had included shoulder charging. One by one, the residents poured out of the ancient turnstile and ran across Occupation Road. They formed a mob outside the door to the atrium. In his office, the chief executive glanced out of his window and decided there was only one thing to do. He did a petchy, out of the back door of the building. Eventually, the big fella appeared through the ancient turnstile. The mob bellowed their approval. Just behind him was Sid. He was looking a bit dishevelled, but he'd been fine once he'd had his shoulder popped back into place. The mob parted to let the two men through. Cliff and Sid entered the building together. Behind them, fans and former players streamed into the atrium. The building echoed to cries of, Yeehaws! Sid climbed the stairs to the upper floor. He saw IT guys cowering under their desks, but he ignored them and headed further down the corridor. Finally, he arrived at a door marked CGI Suite. It was locked. This was a job for a special team. The door splintered. Five CGI artists tried to rush out of the room, but Arthur Woodward and George Catlow did their jobs as wing-halves. No one got past. The CGI guys were forcibly sat back down in their seats in front of their computer screens. Sid told them, Delete all the fiction you've created. Everything in Ornit Heaven has to be true to the way things are on Earth. Liked it, Mickey Mouse, did you? One of the CGI guys sneered. Much comfier living in the past, ain't it? Sid laughed at how wrong the bloke had got him. His own problem had been that he'd only ever looked forwards. It was people like his old friend Morris who'd been stuck looking backwards. Hurry up and get on with it. Delete everything you've changed. Suddenly, behind him, a voice said, Nah, don't delete everything. Sid turned. It was Morris. For a moment, Sid thought Morris was going to turn out to be the devious uber-villain of the piece, the chief executive's puppet master. But he wasn't. Morris was still lovely old Morris. It was just that he'd changed how he felt about things a little. He said, Delete everything except the atrium. 
Sid and Morris headed back downstairs. They left Arthur and George to supervise. It was all over. Hornet Heaven would be back to normal in no time. The two old friends walked shoulder to shoulder down into the atrium. Sid said, I don't get it. Why keep this building? Surely it symbolises everything that's nothing to do with your Watford. Morris looked uncomfortable and kept walking. When they reached the shelves downstairs, he picked up the Palace Playoff Final programme and said, I want you to take me to this. I ain't sure I'm ready, but I'm hoping I can go mental when we reach the Prem. But I was thinking we should revisit the Mike Keane era together. There was a defeat at Darlington in 1975 that dropped us to 92nd place in the Football League. We literally couldn't have been further from the top flight. There was a short silence, as each recognised how much the moment was costing the other. Lord, we make a right blinking pair, don't we? I've got to learn to live with the ups, and you've got to learn to live with the downs. Sid laughed. Their incompatibility was over. He shook Morris's hand. Then he gave that up as a bad job and hugged his old friend instead. When they were done, the two old codgers linked arms and headed off through the ancient turnstile to the playoff final, where the classiest side in Watford's history provided them with the reality check they each needed. The End If you enjoyed this original story, you might like to listen to Series 1 and Series 2 of New Hornet Heaven Stories. To find out more, go to hornetheaven.com. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken.